The first time Jay Thomas performed in drag was just a few months back. Jay lives in Austin, Texas. There was this audition to be part of a local drag troupe. And Jay just kind of went for it. My friend told me about it, and I applied the day before, like at 11.59 p.m., right before it was due. So I only thought about it for about two weeks. So it was kind of almost a lark. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Jay is a drag king, performs as Bobby Pudrido, which is a sly reference to this Mexican-American crooner named Bobby Polito, the kind of singer you might hear at family cookouts. I just knew him from music videos and his CD covers, which he always looked really cool to me. He has really cool outfits, like... He has a denim and denim look. Sometimes he'll wear, like, he always wears the button-up shirts that are tucked into the tight Wrangler pants. Um, And every time I would see him posing, it was always him, like, leaning against a wall or, like, looking casually into the air, into nothingness. He just always looked, he always looked like someone that everybody desired. When Jay showed up at that very first audition, they filled up with all that Bobby Polito confidence. And then they poured that energy out on stage. They wore a mesh top, slicked back hair, and lip-synced along to this Latin pop rock track called Me Vale. It was just me raging to a song I already knew, so it was it was a blast. What does me vale mean? Uh, it means basically like I don't give a F. <laughs> I, I don't know what I can and can't say, but uh, yeah, but in Spanish, it's basically just talking about how he does not care that he is on the outskirts of society and that he's going to do what he wants. So I figured it was the perfect song. <laughs> Needless to say, Jay got the gig. They perform all over Austin now. Are you kind of a different person when you get into drag? Oh my gosh. I am absolutely a different person. I am 110% different. Who are you? I A lot of my friends say that I'm someone they've never seen before. So I just become this super confident person that can look people in the eye. I can speak to anyone. I can do anything. I can... I can dance to anything, and I just, I feel like I just become, like, a superstar that I always pictured uh, in my head when I would listen to music growing up. You sound free. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, yes, 100%. It's hard not to contrast this feeling of freedom with what happened a little later on at a very different kind of performance. Once again, Jay was dressed up as Bobby. They'd painted a beard on with eyeliner. My name is Jay Thomas. I perform in drag as Bobby Pudrido. I'm here to testify on my own behalf against SB12. 
This time, Jay's audience was Texas state legislators. They were considering a bill to ban drag, specifically for kids. To restrict drag, an art form, in any way is a direct attack on my fundamental rights as an American and as a performer. This version of Jay didn't seem very free. They seemed hardened. Jay says that was on purpose. When I get into drag, I have this mask that gives me so much confidence. And I knew that going into the Capitol, I was going to feel really intimidated. If you could have performed for those lawmakers, would you have done it? Honestly, no. I don't think so. Because when you're in there, you're listening to them And it's really heartbreaking, the things that they say and the things that they think about us. And I honestly feel like they don't just not understand drag. They don't want to understand drag. So I don't think I would. All month long, we're speaking with people who've been fighting off anti-LGBTQ bills across the country. Today on the show, the Texas state legislature tried to argue that drag is bad for kids. Jay argues... It's essential. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Jay Thomas has been playing with gender for years now. As a kid, Jay felt like the word lesbian fit them best. Then non-binary felt better. Now, Jay identifies as trans. They got top surgery last month. For Jay, drag is a part of this bigger evolution, an evolution that has not always been easy to discuss with their family. Jay grew up in Laredo, right on the border with Mexico. Their family's Latino, and honestly, Jay's still trying to figure out how to talk to their mom about all the changes they've gone through in the last few years. I don't quite know, to be honest, how my mom feels about it because... I've seen her when she's super proud of me, and she hasn't done that with drag yet. But my mom actually came to... uh, She came to a performance. She was in Austin, and it just so happened to be that it was uh, a performance that I had where I was doing a raffle for my gender-affirming surgery. Oh, wow. I wonder if she kind of felt like it was a gas to see you. (laughs) I like performing as these people who... You probably grew up listening to because of her, to some extent. It's like a tribute almost. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I did actually in that performance, I I changed my performance last minute when I knew that she was coming. I did a song that I never really listened to because it's even older than than, uh, Bobby Pudrido. um, Or I'm sorry, Bobby Pulido. I forget his name now. It's about a man singing about his mom and how hard she worked and how he just wants to give her everything that she gave him. Yes, 
And so I changed my song to that and, and did it for her. And I was hosting the show too, so I, I dedicated it to her as well. And, and she came up and hugged me during the performance and cried and it was beautiful. I feel like, I feel like my mom is still caught up in, you know, the cis heteronormative views of the world, even though she is gay herself. My mom um, is married to a woman and we, she came out to me when I was 15. Who came out first, you or her? We came out to each other, actually. <laughs> oh my gosh. I told her I'm gay and cried. And then she cried and said, me too, when we hugged. <laughs> um, it was a really beautiful moment. Wow. Yeah. When did you first start thinking about legal challenges to being a drag performer? Because it sounds like you just really started embracing your drag identity in the last year or so. And like, I remember back in December, I saw like the first article that I took note of about like, oh, some states may be trying to ban drag. And I just thought, really? Like, that's wild that mm -hmm. that's going to happen. And then it seems like it moved very quickly to me. So when did you first start paying attention to this? Around the same time, to be honest, I had, I didn't believe it at first. I feel like I didn't realize or I didn't fathom, I guess, how deeply it would impact me because I didn't know what I was doing with my drag at the time. I was just doing this for fun. And it's happening right at the time that I started drag and at the time when I was medically transitioning. So everything, like my identities that I realized were happening are kind of happening parallel to all of these anti-queer bills. Was that scary? It sounds scary. Yeah, it's scary in, in the sense that for me, I always know I'm, I'm, I'm blessed enough to have built enough friendships and loving relationships with people who are my family now, essentially, that I know I'm always going to be accepted and I know I'm always going to be reminded that regardless of what legislation is being passed, that I am loved. But what's scary is the reactions of just strangers. What kind of reactions have you gotten? I've always gotten things like, you're in the wrong bathroom just because of my short hair. Hmm. But now that I am on hormones, my voice is a little bit lower. And so I, I think I get that even more. And now with top surgery, it's going to be, I think, a little bit harder for people to understand. You were talking on TikTok about how in some ways you're like, you don't want to be forced to use the men's bathroom. Like you're worried that's going to be dangerous for you. Yeah. Right now, I don't feel like a man. I don't feel like a woman. But I am used to going into the woman's bathroom. And I'm used to the cleanliness that is the woman's bathroom. <laughs> and so a lot of our, I feel like for me, a lot of my transness and the scariness of it is more so on the reactions of people and less about, you know, who I am. Because I know who I am. It's just because all of these legislations are being passed, a lot of more people are paying attention to it. And people who normally wouldn't care about queerness, now they're paying attention to it because it's making them angry. Because it's, it's being put out in the world as something bad now. And that's the scary part. 
Yeah. A lot of these anti-drag bills and anti-trans bills, they're concerned about kids, like what kids see. Have you ever performed in drag for kids? Like, what, what was that like? I performed in an all-ages drag show where actually one of the drag performers was also a 13-year-old. And there was also kids in the audience. And anytime I go to a drag show, whether I'm performing it or not, where there's kids, they understand a lot more than adults think. But what they don't understand yet is is the hatred and the... Uh, the judgment that I think that a lot of these bills are, are are imposing on kids because all they see is bright and shiny things and big hair and wigs. And, you know, I wear a lot of rhinestone in my outfits and my nephew loves it. He just could stare at it all day. <laughs> and I see them looking at me and looking at drag artists and just having fun. And to me, it just feels like they're they're just expressing themselves to their fullest and, and we are doing the same. So I, I just don't see that there's any harm in it when we perform for kids. It sounds like you've also performed with kids who've like done drag longer than you have, which is so funny to me. Oh my gosh, yeah. That, that 13-year-old sat next to me and I asked them how long they've been doing drag and they said four years. And then they asked me and I said, I think it was like three or four months. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was 32 and they were 13. And I was like, yeah, like this. It's just wild to me when I see kids so comfortable in, in their queerness and their gender. And now they're doing drag at age 13. It's such a beautiful thing to witness. Yeah. You told my producer that you think of anti-drag bills as anti-children in nature. Can you explain that a little bit? Because I think some people coming from a straight perspective see drag as sexualizing and sexualizing, you know, maybe exposing kids to sex very early. So what would you say to someone who doesn't understand why you would think an anti-drag bill would be anti-children? I have met drag kings from San Antonio who do things like drag storytelling. And the entire goal of this is one, to educate these kids because you're reading to them, to get them excited about reading and I think that SB 12 particularly attempting to create a barrier between kids and drag is them creating a barrier between kids and queerness. And as a kid, I grew up listening to adults tell me that the number one thing you need to do is be yourself always. And I think that drag does that for kids. I think that drag teaches that to kids and doesn't just teach it, but also it shows you, you know, there's this queer person, this person in drag who is embodying what it is to just be yourself 100%. And I think that when we take that away from kids, we're dimming their light and society does that for them already. It's something that I don't think the people who are passing these laws think about at all um yeah. because they they're they're equating queerness to to being inherently sexual and to them it's you know i'm gonna protect them from the sexual thing but if if they understood what drag was it's really just us fully being ourselves and that's something that i think every kid should be able to witness 
after the break. The anti-queer legislative onslaught, it disrupts Jay's day job, too. When Jay is just Jay and not performing as Bobby, they are dealing with the fallout from anti-queer legislation not just in Texas, but around the country. That's because Jay's day job puts them in touch with trans and queer families who are struggling to find doctors. Over the course of the year, this job's only gotten harder. I'm a care coordinator, and so what I do is help queer folks find resources and healthcare providers to help them in their journey, whether that's their gender-affirming journey or Sometimes it's just cis um, queer folks who are looking for providers who are queer affirming. It just strikes me that at the same time that you're showing up to testify to legislators about what queer people need, you're getting these calls from all over the country from families who are dealing with their own issues around gender and health care. So you must have seen like your calls change over the course of the year. It just must have shifted your perspective a little bit. What did you see there? Yeah, I mean, I'm essentially at the front lines of it in that even even the company I work for is is still trying to figure out what steps to take and how to provide support for these members who are in states where legislation is being passed to restrict gender-affirming care. And... So I get everything from parents who have trans children that are wondering if they're still going to be able to take their child to this primary care provider or what other resources are available. And unfortunately, right now, the only guidance that our company is able to give us right now is these are your travel benefits because this provider decided to stop providing this service because of what's happening. Even even legislation that's not passed yet. Even in Austin, there's a hospital that used to used to take care and have gender-affirming services for kids, and now they don't. And so some folks lost their pediatricians for their kids. So you used to be finding doctors for people, and now you usually can't do that? Yeah, in a lot of rural areas, um, it was already difficult, but at least we had, you know, a nearby place that could at least be an hour away. And now it's the entire state. And a lot of, a lot of the providers who do offer that are, you know, getting booked even more. And so the wait times are even longer. So the conversations are, are just a lot heavier and darker now because we don't have answers that we want to give them. And so I feel like that's why I had to go up there and that's why I want to continue to go up there because I I, I don't have any other perspective other than the perspective of being a queer person and working for queer people and understanding exactly what it is that they're going through. Yeah. The bill you testified about, about drag shows, it's been revised And it doesn't mention drag anymore. It's now looking to ban kids from any kind of sexually explicit performance. Do you feel like that's a win? Absolutely not. 
what happens is they do things like this as a strategy and they'll they'll remove language in order to get the bill pushed further and then with this specific bill they removed that language and some drag artists thought that it was a win and thought that it was something that was good for us but the fact of the matter is they can actually bring that language back in once it hits the senate in an amendment or something right right and so the only reason they did that is because they wanted it to be able to be pushed further and it doesn't just affect the state of Texas because now they're helping create this blueprint that can be used in other states. Yeah, and I wonder if you think it's broader, too. Like, sexually explicit. Like, I don't know. <laughs> What's a Miley Cyrus concert? I don't know. Exactly, and it emboldens people who already are thinking of, you know, queerness and, and all of these, because of these bills, are thinking of queerness as something inherently dangerous and sexual. Well, if these people, if this passes and these people see me in public and I, I'm not someone that they're used to seeing because of my gender presentation, this bill is so broad that they could, it could be a witch hunt. They could essentially point the finger and be like, this, you know, this is not safe for my child. You're still performing now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I actually had a show last night. Do you ever think about stopping, like for your safety or or because of laws or anything else? No, I haven't thought about that, and that's just my personal opinion. If anything, when I first started drag, I wasn't sure if I was going to keep doing it. I just was doing it for the fun of it. But because it paralleled with all of this happening, all this legislation being pushed, I'm in it now. And I, I, I know a lot of drag performers that have given me resources and and do things like create nights where, you know, we can learn about um, how to protect ourselves. And so there's all of these drag artists that I'm around that I see the fire in them and I see how much that they are willing to do to protect us as a community that it makes me feel like I belong here and I need to be doing this. I'm so grateful to you for making the time to talk to me and telling me your story. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Jay Thomas is a drag king who performs under the name Bobby Pudrido in Austin, Texas. After we spoke, the Texas legislature passed that bill that Jay testified against, the one that started out as a drag ban. It now bans kids from watching sexually explicit performances. Businesses could be fined $10,000 for putting on these shows. Performers, they could be slapped with a $4,000 fine. Next week, we'll bring you one more conversation with a parent ally who's becoming a regular at his state legislature. He says this year, things were different. This year, they stopped looking us in the eye. They stopped having meetings with us. They, they stopped being able to admit out loud how evil these bills are because they realized how good the politics of hurting my kid is for them. And they're running with it. I think these politicians have seen the power of this sort of generated hatred and that they're just going to keep doubling down. 
That's the show. If you're a fan of what we're doing here at What Next, the best way to support us is to join Slate Plus. It's our membership program. You can go on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus and sign up like right now. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Anna Phillips, Rob Gunther, Paige Osborne, and Madeline Ducharme. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary Harris. You can go track me down on Twitter. Say hello. I'm at Mary's desk. I'm handing things off to Lizzie O'Leary and the What Next TBD crew for now. I'll be back in this feed on Monday. Catch you then.